Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 19, year one. Today, we have an incredible interview with the one and only Jennifer Tilly, as well as my football picks for my contest and our phone call segment. So buckle up and stay tuned here on the Mouthpiece. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 19. Um, it's uh, been a uh, week where I really didn't do much. Uh, I've been uh, doing a little bit of physical therapy, uh, which is really helping strengthen out my legs a little bit. Uh, and I've been working on uh, basically uh, not much. <laughs> uh, I haven't played any poker this week. haven't really done much, but... We have an amazing interview with the one and only Jennifer Tilly today. So I'm going to make this short. I'm going to give out my picks that I have in my contest as well as what I feel is the one pick that I give out per week. So in the Pick'em contest, I, as of right now, have the Kansas City Chiefs as my number number one pick. I don't really think much of Baltimore. I think they played two scrubs, and I I just think that uh, the Chiefs are going to win this game by a touchdown. I have them as my number 10 star pick. Um, And my number nine pick, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. People think, what are you, crazy? Frisco just won two on the road. Um, This is what happens in the NFL. Uh, The teams go, they win a couple road games, they come home, they're overconfident they're going against a desperate Steeler team I really think the backup quarterback for the Steelers um, Mason Rudolph is really good I have them as my number nine um, point pick Uh, my eight my number eight pick is the Denver Broncos getting eight and a half Uh, I don't think much of Green Bay I don't think they're good enough to lay over a touchdown I think Denver's a lot better than their record I have them as my number eight pick in the Denver Broncos. My number seven pick is the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, uh, going back to um, what we talked about, Buffalo just won two in a row on the road. They're two and zero. Oh. Cincinnati's looked like great. They looked great in week one. Gave the game away. Looked like shit last week. I think they run the ball better. And this is going to be a three point game. I have the Cincinnati Bengals plus five and a half as my number seven. Uh, my number six is the Washington Redskins. Once again, uh, Chicago with a big road victory over Denver. They're coming out of altitude. They're remaining on the road, and they're laying more than a field goal with a team that struggled defensively but looked well offensively. Um, Chicago's offenses look terrible, so they might make the Washington defense in a Monday night game look much better. I'm taking the three and a half as my number six star pick with Washington. My number five pick is the New York Giants uh, getting six and a half against Tampa Bay. I don't think Tampa Bay is good enough to lay six and a half to any team in the NFL. Uh, from what I've seen and heard, the Giants are pumped uh, for their new quarterback. Uh, so I have the Giants as my number five. My number four this one is, I went back and forth with, but as of right now, it's the Indianapolis Colts minus one and a half. I think a lot of Indianapolis, I think um, 
They should be 2-0 and if uh, Vinatieri hadn't missed all those kicks. Uh, Brissett's look uh, amazing. Atlanta's coming off a brutal game against Philadelphia. I like Indianapolis as my number four. My number three, I'm, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. I thought Seattle looked awful in week one. They should have lost to Cincinnati. I thought if uh, what, they almost lost to Pittsburgh, uh, I didn't really think they looked impressive against Pittsburgh. They're laying four and a half to a New Orleans team that everybody's written off. They have two very capable backups. I mean, Bridgewater's the highest played backup in the league at $7.5 million. I like the Saints, plus four and a half is my number three. My number two is the Cleveland Browns, plus two and a half against the Rams. Now, I believe the Rams are great, and uh, but I also think that uh, Cleveland knows with their brutal schedule coming up, this is a home game that they really have to go all in. And, but it's not high on my list. It's my number two star pick, the Cleveland Browns. And my number one star will be the Minnesota Vikings laying eight and a half against Oakland. Uh, it's a Western team going into the uh, early time zone. Uh, those coming off a home game, those have always been a big favorite when the uh, team from the West Coast has to play the early time slot. Uh, you saw what Detroit did to Sandy, uh, the Chargers last, the LA Chargers last week. Uh, I think Minnesota wins this game handily over Oakland but it's my one-star pick. So I have to pick 10 in my pick em contest. Those are the 10 I took. Um, I am going to give you my one can't-miss pick of the week, uh, which um, I said I will do every week. Now, last week I gave you uh, the Dolphins. They looked awful. Uh, but the game was, was uh, they could have covered that game easy if it's Fitz tragic, I call him, instead of Fitz magic, didn't throw three pick sixes. Uh, I think there's a ch- real good chance I could have covered, but it didn't happen. And uh, and as you heard me last week, I said I liked two games. One was the Rams, one was, the, but I gave out Miami as the game. I was wrong. My pick of the week is brought to you by my bookie. They are uh, a new sponsor for us, and uh, if you want to make bets. On my pick of the week, go to my bookie promo code mouthpiece for a 200% deposit bonus. That's mybookie.ag, promo code mouthpiece, and you can bet on my pick of the week. Uh, so uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead, I, I, even though I have like Kansas City as my number 10 right now, I, I might change this up. Um, I'm leaning towards, I mean, I'm, I've been going back and forth between these two games, between either giving you Kansas City minus six and a half or Denver plus eight and a half. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos plus eight and a half at Green Bay as my top pick this week. I'd rather take points and lay points in the NFL. I do like Kansas City a lot, but... I'm giving out my one pick. Uh, Denver plus eight and a half over Green Bay. The mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0401. 
888-888-8080. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. Okay, it's time for our phone call segment for episode 19. So let's hear what our fans have to say. Let's light up the phone lines. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Who's this? Yo, Mike, this is Buddy from Denver, man. What's going on, Buddy from Denver? How's it going? Doing pretty good, bro. Just watching the game. Had a uh, question for you. Uh, instead of Googling, I thought I might ask you. Sure. How'd you get your, uh, your nickname, The Mouth? Oh, uh, and, and who gave it to you? <laughs> well, uh, Todd Brunson, we used to play 400, him and Curtis Bibbs, and which you don't know. Uh, there was like four or five of us when I first started playing. We used to play high limit, and he just called, they used to call me loud mouth Mike, and uh, yeah. I because I, I, I talked real loud, and plus I talked a lot, and so uh. I kind of uh, took on Mike the Mouth and uh, kind of went from there, but it was it started with Todd Brunson actually. So right did, on, man. How long was that? The eighties or was that the nineties? No, that was uh, two thousand, two thousand one. Two thousand. Yeah. So oh, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I saw you posted this. Wanted to give you a shout out, man. You're uh, one of my longtime favorite poker players. It's good to watch you, brother. I appreciate and, uh, it. Bro, what do you think about this? Uh, 20-plus spread against Miami. Well, so you're I, saying you think Miami will uh, stop? Well, I ha- just up. remember this. Um, this is a stat I saw yesterday, which is pretty impressive stat. So teams that are laying 20 points at home are 35-0 and 0 straight up. But... They're oh, all in thirty-five. You mean right? No, thirty. The the teams that are laying the favorites are thirty-five oh, okay. and zero straight up. So that's good for my yeah. suicide pool. But they're eleven and twenty-four against the spread. Oh man! So th- there you yeah, go. Yeah, so that probably just tells the story right there. That's too yeah. much. That's well, I've always known you can't lay double digits in the NFL, especially to like twenty three touchdowns. It, it never happens really that you get those spreads like that. Wow, man. the guy just dropped it. What a fucking throw that was. Well, if you would have played last week, then you would have you would have been right though with the Patriots. Yeah, well, I I actually I, Miami was my best pick last week, so I look like an idiot. Uh, Miami and the Rams were the two that I really liked the most. And if you really think about it, it was sixteen to nothing halftime. Then it was twenty-three to nothing, and they were driving. And the play calling was exactly like I thought. Like I knew Belichick would not try and run up the score on his old coach, but you can't predict that uh, Fitzpatrick throws three pick six, and there's now it's forty-three to nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. So you can't. It definitely I felt is even though the final was forty-three to nothing, and uh, it sounds crazy that I say I think I was on the right side. But if you watch the game, I told everybody that they were because Brown didn't know the playbook. They were going to try and get him involved, which they did in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. And then they started running the ball. They weren't trying to run up the score. Fitzpatrick ran up the score for them. So 
yeah. And I mean, all they had to do, I mean, if if you take away the pick sixes and you put one touchdown in favor of Miami, they they cover the spread. So yeah, would, that makes sense. That's I would true, never man. lay tw- twenty one points with with anybody. Did so you I mean, do a lot of sports bet- sports book betting as well? I do not bet anymore. But I, yeah. uh, I, I, I have a pick'em contest I'm in uh, that I, I have to that I pick ten games and you pick your number one, your number, your best bet pick from first to last. Okay, whoever has confidence, kind of. Yeah, confidence thing, and whoever has the most points at the end of the year wins. Plus, I'm in a suicide pool. You know, when I tell people that, they're like, oh. I thought you don't bet no more. I'm like, you fucking idiot. I'm in a contest for 50. I used to bet five, 10, 20,000 a game. I, I know yeah. I'm a sick fuck degenerate. I quit three years ago. I'm never going to bet again. I mean, so I, I do <laughs> well, tell something. Us why, why you quit? Why'd you end up quitting? Well, I, lo- I lost 6.7 million. Is that enough? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that would probably stop a lot of people. You know how many Sorry, times? Man. And you see, the, the thing is, is I'm actually really a sharp sports better. I know that sounds crazy when I tell you what I've lost, but, like, I, I've, I've told this story so many times. It's like I'll pick four games, the first two in the morning, they're losing two touchdowns at a half, then I'd go and make halftime bets. They, The two I picked would both come back win and cover then i'd lose both my halftime bets and then the same thing would happen in the afternoon i'd i'd go like three and one every week and then and end up losing three units because i would be down at halftime chase it and then yeah. and then what would so i do live betting or are you just yeah i did bet? that too and then i would then whatever i'm stuck for the day i'm tilted because i should be up two units and then i fire like God yeah. knows how much on the late game trying to get out. And that's, I did this for 15 years. So more Jeez. than that, 25, 20 years, 20, whatever. So um, once, uh, once, you have to, in life, you have to realize when you have a problem and you have to try and address it. And I know I have a problem, so I just don't bet no so more. It was a leak. Yeah. It was a leak. I got rid of my leaks. Leak. I, have, I have no leaks now, which is uh, why, good, which is why. I'm going to be very wealthy soon again because I'm crushing poker and everything's going well. So if you do yeah. if you do a lot of betting, I just got a new sponsor for the podcast. It's called MyBookie. They're a very reputable company. And if you go to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code. Nice, man. We got the double plug there. Yeah. Check out my uh, this place, MyBookie.ag. It's pretty cool. And then if you decide okay. to put any money on it, just put in the promo code mouthpiece. Good luck. All right, man. Good luck, Mike. You got it, man. Well, Take thanks, care. Man. Thanks for the call. Good talking with you. You thanks. got it. I appreciate you taking the call, man. It's really uh, good to talk to you an too, idol man. And, uh, and a legend, Ta- bro. You got it. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Yo, welcome to the mouthpiece. Who's this? Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going good, man. Who, who am I talking to? I'm Andrew, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, nice Georgia. You, yeah. What's going on in Atlanta? Anything good? Oh, uh, not too much. Just the land of disappointment. I'm not from here. I'm actually a big New York Jets fan from the state of New Jersey. So oh, man. I feel sorry for you, bro. I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I <laughs> they got to find them a quarterback. I mean, you, you can't go with Luke Falk. I mean, this guy is, they got no chance. I feel. 
It's, oh, what a what a massacre against the Browns! I think I watched maybe five minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I'm not a big fan of Kaepernick or anything that he's done. Uh, I'm I'm actually against him, but he would fit good in a liberal New York town where they they love what he's done, uh, and he has to be better than Luke Falk. Okay, I mean, yeah, I'm also not a Kaepernick fan. Yeah, I'm I'm on your side of things with that. I, yeah. I'd rather them just take a chance and try to get Tim Tebow. At least he'd be fun to watch. Well, anybody. <laughs> well, Tim Tebow's playing. Well, now his baseball season's over, just about. But um, yeah, yeah. he's got nothing going on. Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> anybody. I mean, there's like there's a million quarterbacks to get. I don't. The thing is, I'm watching this Garden Minshew tonight with. Uh, Jaguars and he looks fantastic and I know I, he's actually playing well I always liked him in uh, Washington State let I never like Luke Falk if you watch you could see Luke Falk what his passes were his completions were 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 a system where you watch Garden Minshew he laid those balls right on the line and and uh, I thought he was going to be good. I, I, I was surprised he got drafted so low, and he's really got command yeah. of the offense. So uh, no, I'm pretty. Impressed. I mean, they're feeling really confident with him. Everybody in the front office is saying, "No, this is our guy. This is our guy." So I, I could tell, you know, and he looks great, you know. So who do you like this week in the NFL? You like anybody? Uh, I mean, I have to. You know, sad to say, I'm, I'm, uh, Patriots are probably going to destroy the Jets, so yeah, I'm not going to watch that game. I, I'll be honest <laughs> but, with you. I, I I was really big on Miami last week, and I was wrong. I said to myself, oh, it's well, tragic. well, I just knew <laughs> that that the Belichick would not try and run the score up on his old coach, and he didn't. I said, I even said in, in, in my broadcast, I just said that he would, uh, uh, you know, try and get Brown into the offense, which he did, and then they would let up. But he, it's not. I'm telling you, if Fitzpatrick didn't throw basically three pick sixes, uh, they were they were across midfield down twenty three to nothing. If, you know, they score there. I mean, New England's not going to try and score again. But unfortunately, yep. uh, it got, uh, you know, that's what happened. I was just going to say that A.B. really pisses me off as a Julian Edelman fantasy owner. God yeah. just destroyed my... Well, yeah. Now Tom Brady's got a new favorite target. Well, A.B., <laughs> I think it's disgraceful for what he's done. I think... Um, there needs to be in the new collective. I think in the new collective bargaining agreement, the players need to get paid more, a lot more, and they need to get like the minimum needs to go up to three million because the the owners are making so much. The NFL is the biggest money maker yeah. in, in in all of sports, you know. And these guys' careers don't last. The average NFL career lasts like three years. So what they're doing, they're putting everybody on that NFL rookie contract and they're never giving anybody the second contract. You know, I just, I just think it's selfish of them. Uh, they need to do that. And then they need to address what's, what's going on. People trying to force themselves off teams. Now you got this Ramsey wanting to trade off of Jacksonville. I mean, what AB yeah. did, he just, he basically, sh- 
you, they should be uh, should have been able to get a first, maybe two first rounds for AB. Instead, he ran his mouth on social media, said all kinds of shit that deflated the market. Now Oakland gives a third and a fifth up for him, and then he goes and destroys the Raiders, and just to get released so he could be on a, on a good team. And then he gets rewarded right. for his behavior with fifteen million guaranteed or ten million guaranteed. Fifteen. That's just. That just that sends a bad message, man. I mean, this guy should should not be allowed in the NFL. I, as a Jets fan, it's in my blood to just hate the Patriots as much yeah. as I have to respect them for being one of the yeah. finest machines within the NFL. Right. I just hate them, and uh, you know, I'm a diehard Jets fan, which isn't saying much. Yeah. Uh, so much that you know, my wife and I we even named our son Decker after Eric Decker, yeah. who was a receiver there. Well, and uh, when when even when Aaron Decker, Eric Decker, went to the Patriots mm-hmm. and signed on with them, it was like, oh, hon, we got to change his name. Thank God he got. I don't even remember him doing that. I know he went from Denver <laughs> to the Jets. He went to the Patriots went, after the Jets. No, he went to Denver. My wife's a Broncos fan, so right. he went to Denver. I think she's got a big crush on him, but right. I, you know, I think he's a good player. Went to Denver, then he went to the Jets. So kind of a guy with both of our teams. We right. really loved his uh, his foundation. I don't know if you've ever heard of Decker's Dogs, but I, he has a fantastic foundation where they uh, get uh, service animals for wounded veterans and that's stuff. Great. Fantastic work. Uh, I, I always liked Eric Titans. Decker. You know, I but I, is he out of the league now? I mean. Yeah, he, he went to the Titans after the Jets for a year, and then uh, the Patriots picked him up in the offseason, and he went to camp, and then they cut him. I mean, he Got retired, you. but I'm pretty sure they gave him the option. Of yeah, I didn't think he was that old, yeah, he, actually. Is he that old? Hmm. No, he's not that old, but uh, I God, guess he was, just, you know, he was so good. Man. Caught up with him. He was so good. I loved for, him. When he yeah. when he played with Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall in the Jets, as bad as the team was, there wasn't a better uh, trio out there. They had so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the call. And uh, tell all your friends, listen to the mouthpiece, and uh, we'll talk soon. I will, Mike. Big fan of the show. Love you playing cards, man. Don't ever quit, brother. I'll I won't, brother. Fan for life. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a good night. You too. Bye. The Mouthpiece. This is Mac Lance, and you're listening to The Mouthpiece. Okay, everybody. So we've uh, got ourselves our first sponsor on this show. Their name is MyBookie, and uh, they're a very reputable company. Uh, they have blackjack, craps, roulette. They have all kinds of other casino games, as well as tons of sports betting for all you degenerates out there. So do me a favor. You listen to the show. Go visit mybookie.ag put in the promo code mouthpiece that's mybookie.ag promo code mouthpiece and you get up to a 200% bonus up to $1,000 so you spin you win get paid only at mybookie up to $1,000 bonus that's mybookie enter promo code mouthpiece thanks you guys I appreciate it and uh I appreciate them supporting the show. Welcome to the Mouthpiece. And today we have Miss Jennifer Tilly. How's it going, Jen? Mike, you sound so official. You sound like you have like a podcast voice on. You sound like um you sound like a podcaster that that's um on top of things. I am I am a star now. I'm trying to become like you. 
I'm gonna become oh, like so funny. I saw your video the other day where you went to that home game and wasn't that great? Yeah, it was amusing. I liked when you were in the elevator and then you like came downstairs stairs in your um your cart. What do you call it? The go cart. My 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 little scooter. Attention. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You know, because of my injury, I and I when I it just when I walk long distances, I get right. I get in pain. So I I I've learned now that I'm just gonna just get a scooter wherever I go and. Then I don't have to worry about being in pain, and so things are going pretty good. How have you been? Sounds good. I've been great. I've just been, you know, I've been spending a lot of time sort of chilling with my family and traveling, and yeah, I'm trying, I sort of pulled back the right around poker a little bit, like yeah. Phil and I used to travel all around and follow the tournament circuit and go to Europe. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, we'd be in London, Dublin, France and everything. And then one day we're like, we're tired. <laughs> like, yeah. do we really have to work that hard? And so we sort of pulled back the rudder on that. When I first started playing poker, I got this idea like, I want to put my name in the poker history. I want to go down in poker history. And but you have. It's really, you know, I, I guess I have to a certain extent. But it is very hard, you know, to. Um, of course. It is really hard because there are so many people playing poker and there's so many things that can go wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know how poker is. And I, you know, I tell right. people about it. And, you know, people think it's easy for making a living playing poker. You know, it's it's tough. It's a tough way to make an easy living. But it's, uh, you know, you have to be able to, you know that. You have to be able to deal with the downswings. And, uh, right. and that's kind of like well, I, the tough part. Yeah, I always say, and this is, Sort of like you two, except for you're a brilliant poker player. Mm -hmm. But I always used to say, like, well, I'm not really, I'd say to Phil, who's that guy that used to do those football commercials all the time and he wasn't a very good football player? Like, he was very kind of, you know, run-of-the-mill football player, but he used to do all those beer commercials. Do you know who that guy was? Mm. Well, anyway, I said I'm kind of like that, you know, like, like, or sort of like Amarillo Slim, how he used to go on Johnny Carson all the time and sort of became the face of poker because he is very loquacious and entertaining. I feel like that's sort of what I do. Like, I love poker. I love to play poker. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm no Stephen Chidwick or. um, Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to tell it like it is. I was very impressed how you played on Poker After Dark the other day now or last week, because I know you, you know, you only bought in for, I think, 40 and you ended up winning like 160 or something. But yeah, I bought I bought in small. I try to buy in small because those games can spiral out of um, control and try to sort of build it up a little bit, because what happens sometimes on those games, if you. You know, you'll start to lose, and then everyone has so much more on the table than yeah. you. It's very hard to combat people who are playing that crazy when you have a short stack. I mean, yeah. you try to do it, but basically your stack is just like a snack. It's like a gulp to them. <laughs> so you can't combat it. I really like deep stack poker where you can say, well, I can play the three, four of hearts, you yeah. know, if I have the implied odds. Obviously, right. if you have a short stack, you can't play three, four of hearts of because you're not really even getting past the turn in terms of, you know, strategizing you know you know what the impressed me the most is the fact mm-hmm. that you started you had a I, I don't know whether you bought in 20 or 40 but you, you bought in a kind of small and you 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 built it up and then you kind of used your chips as weapons which mm-hmm. and you switch gears and like nobody knew you did it like phil helmuth was telling me why didn't you text me and tell me that Jennifer started four and five betting like a crazy woman. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, you didn't ask me to tell you, but, you know. I love that. 
<laughs> yeah, I bought it for 20. Because right. I thought, you know, the other day I ran 20 up to like 80. Right. And then I lost it all in that one hand, which I, I admit I misplayed. But yeah. then I wasn't too bothered because I, I just get very sanguine. I'm like, well, it looks like I lost 80,000, but basically I just lost 20,000. Right. So, you know, if you don't keep piling money on the table, you can sort of control your losses a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I did buy in for 20, and a lot some of the home games I play, they'll say it's a $10,000 buy-in or $20,000 buy-in. When I saw that Rob Young and Alan Keith we're playing. Right. I knew. I texted my business manager. And I said, "Can you send three hundred thousand dollars to the Aria?" Because the worst thing is if you have, are playing with scared money and you're like, "Well, when this is gone, I'm going to have to get up and do the long, sad walk away from the table." <laughs> like when Alan King lost that pot that was half a million dollars, we were all a little bit sad for a while. And then he came back and he put a million dollars on the table. It real. was super baller, and everybody cheered. You know? Let me ask you because, something: Have you ever played in a game like that in your life? Yes, I have. You have. Um, I, there was there was this one guy. His name was Sam, and I called him Santa Claus. And he used to play. He he showed up at this home game that I was playing. Um, that I won't say whose home game it was. Right. But this game was a ten thousand dollar buy in. Right. And he would show up about two in the morning when I was really stuck, and within seven minutes I was up and ready to go home. <laughs> so I loved this guy Sam, but he was very very erratic. And then the guys who ran the game, when they saw like what a gold mine they had in him, they spirited him away. They started a much bigger game. And I, I remember when I would be in Las Vegas, there'd be a lot of whispering going on and they'd flown Sam in on a private plane and there was some sort of game taking place in like private rooms that I wasn't privy to, but it didn't matter because I didn't play that high. But then one day, um, who was it? Oh, I think Rick Solomon. He's like, hey, Jen, do you want to come play at my club? And he had a club, I think it was with... uh, uh, I don't know if Harel, uh, I don't know if the person he had the club right. with wants to know that he had a poker club. Well, yeah, whatever. We can edit that out. That's no, I, th- I think they, I think that's pretty well known. So yeah. Rick goes, Jen, hey, do you want to come play at this game at my club tomorrow night? He goes, Sam is going to be there. And I was like, <laughs> Sam, I'd been missing Sam. And I just assumed it was the same uh, game that I'd been playing, like the $10,000 buy-in, which was twenty five fifty. Right. And I showed up. And it seemed like people were playing really high, and I was standing there, and I think it was 100, 200, and I go, oh, hey, hey, everybody, is it a, a 10K buy-in? And everybody laughed and laughed, and they go, it's a 50K buy-in. <laughs> and you know in those home games, you don't have to show up with money. Right, they right, just right. give you unlimited credit. Right, right, So right. I, I actually wrote an article about this because it was really kind of a, a horrifying story. <laughs> so I was standing there like, oh, this game is too big for me. I'd better go home. I've never played like 100, 200 in my life. No game's too big of... for you if you wanted to play it. You <laughs> well, know that. Now, now, no, but back then it was. Right. And then all of a sudden, Sam like went all in with like 4-7 off suit, and everybody was laughing. And I just I was like a hypnotized person. I just sat down. So I lost a lot of money mm-hmm. that night. But there was one guy that was up a million dollars at four in the morning, and at noon the next day, he was down 500000 Wow. So it was a really, really big game. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, you know, yeah. you know what's really amazing is like, you know, because I've been kind of sick for four years, and mm-hmm. I didn't really, I, I was asking myself, like, how are some of these, like, horrifyingly bad poker players 
getting rich and i had no idea like they kept saying in these crazy home games right and you know mm-hmm. hollywood home games these big games right. now, i knew you know i knew about you know the game they made a movie about molly's game and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, i played with all those guys yeah i know i've never molly was before my time but i play with pretty much all the guys that are in the book right and so i uh recently you know now i've been playing again a lot and i've been doing pretty well and i've been you know going getting invited to a few home games you know and i'm thinking to myself well now i know how everybody i can't get over how some of these games how how you it's like you can't you could be like you you, you could you don't even have to be a good player in some of these games right. to win i mean right. you could just just pedal like you could like give a little bit of action and then when you put the money in, just have it, and they have mm-hmm. some ridiculous ham where they have like twenty percent equity, and and you see, and I'm just like, how rich are these people? You know, well, so, also too, they they find people that are worse than them, and then a lot of them no. are these guys are feeling players. Like, mm-hmm. um, if they feel like they can crowd you out of a pot by you know betting you know a hundred thousand dollars, they mm-hmm. will just do it. So you have to be kind of just like sort of hang on for the ride like we i used to go to these home games and i would just go with like this feeling of dread like you're a gladiator going into the <laughs> arena like uh i hope i don't die <laughs> <laughs> but it it really is i feel like a little bit like the game that i was playing the poker after dark mm-hmm. number one it was so fucking fun and i yeah. love alan keating and rob young and oh, you yeah, know, they're great guys. Me it's always good time it was just like a really good mix of people you know and and emmett and yeah i was supposed to i i was supposed to be in the game uh um, right. and then phil tells me uh i actually had a thousand dollar bet with phil that somebody wasn't going to show up and he's like mm-hmm. he was so it was a two thousand dollar bet but i Right. I, I cut it down to a thousand because he was so sure that everybody was going to show up. And then I ended up staying. That was like, I never go out. So this right. happened to be a night. It was my friend's birthday. I ended up going out all night uh, for him. Uh, and then the phone's ringing like uh, uh, Casey Thompson didn't show up. Come down. The phone's ringing. I'm like, dude, I was up all night. I, I can't come down. Yeah. And I was, and then I saw the game. Uh, on the following day, and I uh, first Phil told me how he gave away seventy thousand the last hand of the night of day one, and I'm, Phil always protects his win, and so right. even though Al, Al, Alan Keating's a complete lunatic, I didn't know until I watched <laughs> the second day two, and I'm thinking to myself, how does this guy? win in it's not possible that this guy could win in poker and then everybody tells me no he plays where he's the best player i'm like wait so you're telling me that there's six players that are worse than this guy because a lot of people thought he was just like like kind of giving advertisements so he could get in bigger games and everybody i talked to says no that's how he plays in every he game. plays in the he plays in the biggest games in the world and you know he he runs a game right. i played in his game several times and right. um i was really happy to see how he played because all the times that i played with him he's always been like the big winner but he's also right. not afraid to mix it up i think maybe once he was not the big winner but he would always like i think one night he was up like three hundred thousand. he plays 
but you never see his cards, like because right. he put so much pressure on people that you hardly ever get to the river. So you had so, no clue that he was that much of a lunatic until you saw. I had him. absolutely no idea, and wow. that's what you know. And he's probably going to adjust his play now because yeah, he's you know, have to. He was, and I did hear people say, "Oh yeah, maybe he's advertising because he does run these games where right. he gets like really good people to come and play." Right. And um, yeah, but I, I actually, I had no idea because he has his demeanor is very calm i mean he's right. not like you know big sweaty cocaine snorting right. chain wearing <laughs> money launderer type guy <laughs> where you would sort of expect that kind of play he just seems like a very sort of i don't yeah. think he gives off i mean when you're not seeing his whole cards you he kind of gives off the aura of being like you know a uh, pretty solid player that's very i always thought wow he's just really lucky. i picked up a but, big tell on him and i i gave it mm-hmm. to uh brandon Cantu because i told because right. he plays with him a lot uh right. and i i really think that maybe he this uh this could be i don't know if it's going to be good for him or bad for him because now if if now that people knows how he plays if he if he change he's going to have to change it up and kind of play snug uh to to, and he'll get paid for a while, and then he can probably go back. But if he doesn't, he he could lose a lot of money because now people— You know what? Alan is really smart. Yeah. Uh, Alan is—I think he set out—he accomplished exactly what he set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I feel like he, that those two days kind of made him a rock star in the poker community yeah. because he was really baller, and he was very, he was. very— I mean, fearless. And he really— he just really went for it. And when he took a big loss or took a big hit, he would yeah. just, you know, sort of laugh and just, you know, keep going. He, And so I think that I think that he did want to sort of kind of uh, make a name for himself a little bit in, in you know, on the uh, online, not in the online, in the televised arena. And I think that mm-hmm. that's what he accomplished well, yeah. i mean i think he's he's really really likable and i've i've played with him his he is a very intuitive player he right. seems to know when to apply the pressure and when to back off like i said the hands that he was involved in hardly ever got to the river because the other people would capitulate and, right and fold and i played with um alan and brandon also mm-hmm. and brandon's other person brandon's a little bit like ben lamb i mean he's a great player mm-hmm. and he gives the impression of being spewy and mm-hmm. that's why people like to have him in the game because he um makes a good game but you know underneath that is really sort of solid poker expertise right. i mean you, he's a, you know, a great i agree with you now I, I i i was just like after watching it for a while and then i'm thinking this guy is just nuts and then i was seeing uh, he's losing 10,000 10,000 5,000 whatever but then when he got it all in, he was three to one favorite for half a million chip pot. So I yeah. knew that Rob Young was calling. I mean, if you're going to call 15,000 preflop with mm-hmm. four, seven of clubs, you're not, I don't think you're folding when you have a pair and a flush draw at one to come. And when he's in the tank, I'm texting my friend Ben and I'm like, mm-hmm. there's no way he's folding. I'm like, he put 15 in pre-flop, <laughs> whatever it was on the flop. And now, I mean, he's got the best hand you could have, a, pa- a pair and a flush draw. So, I mean, <laughs> he's not folding. Well, but with one card with one card to come. Right. The thing about Rob, Rob knows what makes a good show. Right. Rob loves poker. Right. Rob loves to gamble. That's why why it was so fascinating to watch these two sort of kamikaze pilots go it was. at it. It was and great. also, too, when I'm talking about Alan being intuitive, 
Alan knew exactly where he was with Rob. He knew Rob was on some kind of draw. Right. Where he miscalculated, or maybe didn't miscalculate, is he put in enough money, I think, that he thought would stop Rob from hitting his draw, or really <laughs> overcharge Rob, Rob for trying to hit his draw. He, knows, he knew what he's getting into. He knows Rob only runs it once. And so, right. you know, he was basically like, I'm going to get all my money in while I still have the best hand. But he knew he had the best hand. Yeah, of course. And this is the other thing with Alan, because he's so loose and because he plays, like, it, seemingly any two card, right. he gets paid off. Like, that's oh, why, that was part of my reasoning when I paid him off with my aces, because right. I know that he always is, like, applying pressure and doing a lot of bluffing and, you know, could, you know, very well have, I mean... You well, know, people, and, and also, I interrupt my hand. I made a mistake not to re-raise, but I thought somebody was going to re-raise me on the back end. Right. But that's also going through your head. You're like, well, I underwrapped my hand, and you know, he knows I'm, I'm timid, and that's a lot of times in it poker and yeah. out-level yourself. It was, it was so impressive to watch too. It's like Tom Dwan, like, was the nittiest. I love playing with Tom. Oh he was gosh. so nitty in the game mm -hmm. because Great. he was out of position against um, Keating, mm -hmm. and so. Yeah. The that the hand with the queens was just so we well he played it all I don't like the raise on the end because he's only getting called by three kings or ace jack or, that beats him but like the check called he, he got Keating to blast off like seventy thousand with no outs I thought that was real <laughs> and Tom like never bluff one time and it was it was really funny when he goes I. I thought you said this can't two was tight because can't two. He hadn't played a hand, and all of a sudden he zips in twenty five gram with ace three. But right, he would have right. got he would have beat Keating for at least for every for three hundred thousand. And there's no way Keating gets mm -hmm. away from that hand. Was set it, no That's what you. I, I kind of don't remember that exact hand. What was it? Well, Tom folded the the two nines for the twenty five k pre flop, and it oh, came right, nine right. king queen where. Uh, Keating flopped top oh. two, and he would add bottom set, and he would have right, positively right. stacked Keating in that hand. But right, right, yeah. But anyways, you know, uh, I just wanted to compliment you. I really liked the way you played. You know, the, the when you flopped the nut flush uh, mm -hmm. against the second nut flush. Now a lot of people say, "Oh well, she's going to get the money anyways," and I'm like, mm -hmm. ah, I'm not. You know, maybe she won't get the money anyways. But because the mm -hmm. fact that you came off the lead and called it to mm -hmm. me, I said, "Oh, I love this." And now when the ace hit, it looks like you had you made aces up or king queen. So I love when you check called and then you made the small lead on the river mm -hmm. and then he moved in. And uh, I liked the way you played it. I mean, of course, Helmuth argued with me that he didn't like it, but I liked it. And my uh -huh. my friend uh, Ben. Uh, liked it too so i i, I really thought you, you you i mean it was a cooler but uh i think you the, the way you got all the money was the best way you were going to get all the money so uh that was yeah that rob was said good. he thought that maybe i had aces up or something well you, yeah. it's very hard for rob to get away from the right but the way you played it, I thought it sure doesn't look like the nut what? flush you know mm-mm and I, I thought I, that maybe Rob had a flush. Like I don't know. I I, I thought, but you know, you always think that the other person has a flush that's worth a worse flush than you. But right. yeah, that was. It's always nice to be on the right side of a cooler. Oh, absolutely, so. absolutely. And the thing is, but the is, thing I liked about that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Don't no, go ahead. Go on. The thing you liked about the thing I liked about that game is that everybody like honestly, Rob had Rob, and also too, um, 
Alan just had wicked banter. I mean, I just felt like, honestly, I love the English sense of humor. I felt like everybody at that table had such a good sense of humor. And uh, Phil Helmings is such a good sport. Like, I think he understands that people like to see um, people taking shots at him. (laughs) Because he was, his reactions, he's almost like the straight man for when everybody is doing, like, Phil Helmings needling. He's, like, really good at it. I mean, there was such a good dynamic both days on on that game. No, it was, I think, listen, I've watched a lot of the, you know, when I used to be on a lot of the old high stakes poker, and I've Mm -hmm. watched a lot of, you know, I don't watch a lot of poker. I just watch, you know, when I'm on it or if Phil's on it and he asks me to watch or whatever. Uh, And uh, I think it was literally the best televised poker show in history. That's my oh, opinion. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> I just don't don't see. I was just, the di- like you said, the dynamic was amazing. The personalities were amazing. The clashes of personality were amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, uh, you know, when everybody was texting me, who's this Keating guy with all the money? He's the worst. Mm-hmm. He's the worst, right? And then all of a sudden when he got all the money in, I'm, I'm, uh, when, I, when, when, when Rob was in the tank, I'm like, and I'm, te- I'm tweet texting everybody back. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah, he gave away uh, four thousands and three thousands and five thousands. I said, but he just now that he's he just put two hundred fucking thousand in, and he's got the guy just about dead with one pull. And and uh, of course the guy called and beat him. <laughs> so it look, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't look good, but. You know, I, 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 there's a method to someone's madness. Uh-huh. And if I, he had I, won that hand, which he should have, right. he would have been the big winner. Exactly. The, you know, exactly. Cool. And so, so people, you know, that want to say, I don't know Alan. I've heard he's a great guy. Uh, but yeah. when I, when I, when I see that, I, I see the method to the madness. And you, mm-hmm. you know, you have to understand that. It's so, e- it's so easy to say, you know, things bad about, you know, how the poker players are. They want to critique everybody oh, yeah. for how, for, when, you know, when somebody plays a hand bad or and when they, mm-hmm. they're they so good, you know, like when you said coming back from taking the loss with the 80K pot, you know, same thing happened to me at Live at the Bike where I was crushing the game and I was up uh, uh, 35,000 and I played a 90K pot with two aces. And yeah, I know I misplayed it. I misplayed it pre-flop. I should have raised more. I misplayed it on the flop. I, my gut told me I should have folded and, and then I lost the pot and I, I rebought ten grand. Said, "Put your head down, grind it back," and I end up winning forty in the game anyway. But you know, nobody wants to talk about how great I played to get the four. Ended up winning forty anyways. They want to talk right. about the one hand that I I played. Back. They remember the isolated hand. But you know what I always think also in poker is it's cumulative. You know how they say it's not about who wins the battle; it's who wins the war. Right. Oddly enough, sometimes when you misplay a hand or you lose a big pot, mm-hmm. that leads to later in the game, the dynamic of the game, that you get paid off because people think you're tilting right. or they're like, oh, before she misplayed this hand or mm-hmm. she folded the best hand before. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll get an even bigger payoff later on in the game because it's all about the shifting perception of how people see your play. Absolutely. You know, you've come a long ways to, since the... Uh the checking Jack's full hand against Patrick Antonius. Right. <laughs> <laughs> love you know, the br- thing is, people look at that hand isolated, right. and, you know, I'm not, Phil always says, you must never defend that hand. But the thing is, it was a sit-and-go, and there was only one winner. Right. So we all put in our own money, except for the people from Full Tilt, and, you know, the people right. who are, or, you know, the poker stars, the people who are being sponsored. Right. But we all put in our own money. There was only one winner, so survival was really important. Right. And, 
Yeah, I was a little intimidated for sure. Of course. <laughs> just like that and last king rolled off, and I just, <laughs> I kind of didn't know what to do, but I felt like it was better. I was pretty sure I had the best hand. I was happy with what was in the pot, and I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to open the door just in case he might have a better hand than me. Because everyone said, oh, you have the nuts, but I didn't have the actual nuts. I mean, he could have had Jack King. Right. He could have, there were some other hands he could have had. But you know what? That was sort of a, a novice era, era, and it was from being, you know, yeah. uh, very early on being on television, playing with Patrick Antonius. So. Right. Yeah, but I it just, is funny how that was like 15 years ago. And can you believe that? I mean, where's fucking the time gone? I just, I just don't understand. I mean, I remember when you met Phil at the at the at, at, at the Invitational in L.A. Uh, right, I, I remember right. you you came there. I think you, I think Gina Gershon was with you when you when you came there, and you made that yeah. final table, right? That the first one. Right. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, did I make the what? You made that final table, or uh, did no, you? No, not that. Wasn't that first uh, the the Celebrity Invitational? I right. bounced out pretty fast, but oh. I've been to a lot of those. Uh, yeah. Celebrity Invitational. I missed that Celebrity kind of Invitational. That I remember, I remember about you. Remember when it was Black Friday, and then where did we go? We went someplace out in London. Of London. Yeah. <laughs> and we were playing that full tilt. It was sit and go. I'll never forget they had that. To catch. We played one. You and I played the very last, I think, televised, like, yeah. full tilt, sit and go, and everybody was really depressed. Right. And then they canceled the second one because the money hadn't come in. They're supposed Correct. to spend the money. Correct. We, we played... There was four four that were filmed. We played the first two, and then mm-hmm. I flew home, right? And then there was a big, uh, they're waiting for money. And I, I'll never forget, I told people this, told this story before on the podcast, but they're like, well, we're waiting for a, a deposit. And I'm like, well, what? how much is it? And they go, $1.3 million. I'm like, well, something's wrong. How can they not have $1.3 million? The company's dropping Two point right. five million a day in rake, right. and I'm like, right. there has to be a mistake, you know. And then they they got it okayed, I guess, for the first two episodes, and then the second, the second check bounced, and that was the yeah. end of Full Tilt. And I'm just right. thinking to myself, I'll never forget it because, like, I look back and like, how could Ray Batar, how much money Ray Batar must have literally siphoned out of Full Tilt that people don't even know about? I mean, he claimed being broke, but then. I think last year or the year before he married some supermodel in a two and a half million dollar wedding. So, and he never did jail time. He never did anything. And, uh, trust me, he's, he's got all the money. I mean, he wasn't in, he had a house arrest or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what happened, but it was, it was very sad times. And especially because you know, full tilt was the full tilt team was the golden team. I mean, yeah. you guys all, I remember I said to uh, Phil, I want to be part of full tilt because they have the best rehearsals, yeah, not rehearsals. They have the best commercials. The commercials like, were great. That commercial <laughs> where everybody walks in the full tilt room and you guys all turn around in slow motion and look at the intruder. It was so badass. Yeah. They iconicized yeah. everybody and made them look like gods. You know, they yeah. had great, great. They really played up everybody's personality. Like no, your commercials great. were really funny. Yeah, my, Mine and Alan Cunningham's was, was really mm-hmm. amazing. And uh, then the one with me and Eric Linger where, I, I rip up seven deuce or something. That was really that was, good. That was hysterical. Wait, yeah. doesn't somebody come to the door and yeah. you, like rip up something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I came up behind him and ripped up the whatever it was. I, I forgot. I'll have to look. I, it's been a while since I saw it. But no, it used to be fun. We had so much fun filming those commercials. Now, there, mm-hmm. you, you being in the entertainment business, you know how how long it takes to shoot a scene. And I'm thinking, right. I mean, we were just, it was like 15-hour days to shoot a 30-second commercial. And I'm thinking, 
this is oh, insane. Yeah. And so now I look back, like I, you being an actress and all, like all those long days you must have gone through, like being in your trail. Did you have a Did you have a private trailer in the days? Oh yeah, you have. You have to. Yeah, it's in your contract. Yeah, I it's in your contract, it. and then your agent negotiates how big your trailer is. Right, so right. If you're the bigger star, you are the bigger trailer you have to have. But yeah, it's good you have a place you can go back and take a nap in between. Because you know you'll go in, you'll shoot like half a page, and then there's 45 minutes while they reset the lights. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it, it they do it does take quite a while to make a, a very short snippet of film. Well, I know because like even in my YouTube videos, I I would it was five hours to shoot the videos and 10 hours for my guy to, to edit it. So it's like 15 hours to do a five minute and 35 second YouTube, a really good. Well, they're very entertaining and it's all about the editing too. You know, it's it's all about the editing. Yeah. My editor, he's he's the best. He's -hmm. listening in right now and he's like raising his hand like, yeah, I'm the best. Yeah. And he is the best. (laughs) He is. He's, he's amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've been struggling for a while because after I got sick and everything, and uh, he he has faith in me, and he's he's kind of like working with me based on contingency, and we have a good dynamic together, and he's I, I plan on making him a lot of money, and I'm I really love him to death. He's a great guy, you know. So no, I think about like those those commercials, and one day me and Phil Ivy were supposed to they got us there at like ten in the morning. And we're for we're, they told us that our shoot was at eleven, and we we're sitting there for like seven hours, and we oh ended God. up. I ended up because Phil used to crush the games on, and he he had no money in his account. I'll never forget. And I had like sixty thousand. He goes, "Okay, let me play. I'll I'll run. I'll win us a bunch of money." <laughs> and he lost like <laughs> sixty thousand of my money in like I don't know twenty minutes. I'm just like. Is this real? This guy never loses. He loses. We're waiting for this commercial. He busts my right. account, right? But now I look back and like like sixty thousand is like a two million to me. And I I don't know yeah. if it's it's good or bad. It's, I think it's good as long as I'm still mm-hmm. able to pull the trigger, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, you know I'm a, I'm I'm, not, I'm I know I learned a little bit of value of money when uh, things got bad for me and uh, and nobody mm-hmm. was there to help me. So. Uh, you know, you got to learn, you got to live and learn from your mistakes. And I, I think I've done that. Uh, well, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the people that um, suffering the fallout from Black Friday became very deeply in debt. So, right. you know, that that's a hard thing to work your way back from. If you're, you know, it was and I was able to do it um, mm-hmm. uh, with a guy who backed me in 2012, 2013. But then he took all my money that I made him after he told me he had a million dollars behind me and he was never, he would never quit staking me stake and wow. um, staked a, a pretty famous poker player, which I told him not to do because mm-hmm. of the fact of, even though he's a great player, he has leaks, mm-hmm. he has this. And then, uh, like a week before the world series of 2014, he told me he couldn't stake me that he had no money. And I found out six months later, it's because him and his partner lost 2.4 million staking this certain person that I told him not to stake. And oh he said, God. and he said he would never stake him cause he had to make sure he had money for me. Uh, right. he, it took me a while to bring it up to him, which I did. And he, of course he denied it and said he won money with that person. But his partner told a, a pretty good friend of mine that, that him, that they lost 2.4 million stake in that person. And the guy's not going to make it up. So it is what it is, but it's his money. You know, it's his money, whatever to do. But, you know, when you tell somebody that you are behind them 100%, I think you should honor that and not put, they put me in a 
just an awful spot because when I won for him close to $2 million uh, and I got half, uh, I had to pay debts because of after Black Friday uh, for all my money was online. I was penniless and people Mm -hmm. had to loan me money to keep me alive and my bills were 20,000 a month. And uh, Mm -hmm. it took me a while to adjust to not spend, not, not, and then I was still spending money like I had an unlimited income and I didn't have anything. So I had to learn from that. And uh, so, you know, that was, things were tough on me in that. So it really is hard to, I think it really is hard to downsize after, you know, all of a sudden you you're in sort of a different, right. where you're not getting paid that money anymore. It's, it right. is really hard to make that adjustment. I think. Oh, it was, well, it, it was, mm-hmm. I didn't, it probably, I'll say that I really truly didn't make the adjustment till, as crazy as this sounds, okay, so I got sick in 2014, and I re- it was almost really hard for me to play because I was in so much pain all the time. Uh, but I think it took, I didn't really make the adjustment till, well, I know exactly when because I, I borrowed that money in 2015, and I, I'll say 2017, so two years ago is when I really, really, made the adjustment and it sounds crazy like like you'd think how hard it is to take that long to make the adjustment but somebody like me i play 400 800 for 20 something years and now i gotta go play 48 here 8160 right. and it's it took it just took a while to adjust and now i'm i'm doing a little bit better i'm on my feet i'm playing a little bit higher but i'm 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 there's a lot of times i'll sell half of myself to helm you where i I could afford to lose it myself, but I'm mm-hmm. just trying to be careful because I don't want, I, I know what it was like. I'd never lived broke since I, be, since 1996 when I became a professional poker player. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people think that I went broke playing poker. I, I never lost playing poker. I, I lost like 7 million bet in sports, but I had an unlimited income. And it, to me, it was, I didn't care what I lost bet in sports because it was fun. <laughs> right. You know, and I, I didn't really, you know, I never thought about, well, putting away my, I just never crossed my mind. I just, people say, what do you do with all the money you make playing poker? I say, I play higher. <laughs> what else do you, what are you, what are you supposed to do? You know, to me, to me, it was a safer uh, investment than investing in stocks and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, but then right, Black right. Friday happened and everything. So I want to ask you what, what, as um, we look back at, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the movies you made and stuff. And, you know, I think you probably are most famous for Tiffany and the Child's Play movies. What What do you think of them rebooting the Child's Play movies? It's, you think it's good Well, it's sort of a long story and kind mm-hmm. of boring, but um, my friend Don Mancini wrote all the Chucky movies. He wrote the first one when he was in college. So mm-hmm. for the last 30 years, he's written every single Chucky movie, which is seven. Okay. I've been in the last four. Right. He directed the last, uh, three Chucky movies, and we also have uh, plans to uh, Universal has ordered two more Chucky movie sequels, and he also sold a Chucky television series to the Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. and so this is a franchise that is going very strong. But it's weird the economics of film these days mm-hmm. is that Universal somehow thought that it would be better to have the like the last three Chucky movies came out in like a pay-per-view or what, what you right. would call direct-to-video. Right. And so when Halloween, and they've been really well-reviewed, the last three movies were very well-reviewed. Right. When Halloween last year did really well, I think MTMUA, the 
um, he, where he did the first Chucky movie, looked around and they said, well, you know, we need to reboot a franchise. And they found out they had the rights to the Child's Play movie and all the characters in Child's Play. Because the very first Chucky movie was at MGMUA. And it was very successful, and they started to write a sequel. And somebody else bought MGMUA and said, we don't want to be in the business of making horror movies. You know, take your sequel. You can take it elsewhere with your blessing. Mm -hmm. So they went to Universal, where the next six Chucky movies were made. Mm -hmm. So it was a very bizarre situation. It's kind of like that movie Us, where there's another Chucky wandering around that looks sort of like our Chucky and kind of sounds like our Chucky, but isn't our Chucky. So it's sort of like a warped you mean, you mean the movie It? Is that what you're talking about? Or no, no, us? I'm talking about Chucky, the Chucky reboot, which oh, is reboot. called Child's Play. Right. They hired Mark Hamill to do the voice. Brad Dorf has been doing the voice for 30 years. Right. And it, they just kind of came up. It was the same story, but they had different actors. And it also got really good reviews. So, yeah. But then it didn't do so well in the box, at the box office, so it looks like they're not going to make a sequel, well, I mean, at this if, point in time. It's because you're but not it in really it, It's really weird Jen. because everybody is saying, like, hey, what do you think of the new Chucky movie? And, you know, I feel for Don because it, it kind of, like, took its, his baby and gave it plastic surgery yeah. and did, like, this whole new thing. But right. So that's what I feel. But I can never be, even if the reboot wanted to use Tiffany, they can't because Tiffany is a character that was created at Universal, so they right. don't own the rights to Tiffany. So I can only do Tiffany with Tom Mancini, and he's already sold the television series. Uh, so that's so coming up. I'm so, going to be in the so, television series. Oh, you're going to be in the television series on it. Yeah, but well, it's funny great. because I've done so many movies, and I really never I, – until the Internet happened, I had no idea – what an iconic figure Tiffany was, right? Um, and all over the world, like I, I guess that's what I'm I'm known for. But right. I had no idea. And the Chucky fans are so obsessive; like they're the best fans in the world. They're like Trekkies, you know how they would say the Star Trek fans are really into the Star Trek movies. Right. The Chucky fans are really, really, really into the Chucky movies. Well, I, so. I, I think that you are a iconic figure on the Chucky movies, and of mm-hmm. course the movie Bound with. Uh, which with uh, Gina Garrison is like a cult a classic also that everybody always thinks about that movie. What was it like yeah. filming that movie? That was, that was yeah. when I first, like when I watched you, I'm like, uh, that, <laughs> you, you, that was like, you, how many guys have come up to you and said, Oh, I liked you in that movie bound or whatever. I would say more girls. Like more I girls. After yes. that. I used to always have a big sense. gay following because, right. um, just sort of my personality. I'm right. very campy. But then after that, that was a movie that straight guys liked, gay guys liked, and then I gained a huge lesbian following from oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> so sort of like a lesbian icon off of that movie. Yeah, it makes um, total it, sense. You know, I was just talking to my girlfriend and, and also my editor, Danny. I'm like, what they'd never seen Bound. I go, how everybody's seen Bound, whether you're a lesbian or a heterosexual you know person. It's like, crazy. There's a whole new generation, and especially of like gays and lesbians that have not seen Bound. And um, we recently had our 20 year anniversary because it was a very, very pioneering film. I right. mean, it sort of like opened the doors, so to speak, for a lot of other movies dealing with the same subject matter. Right. To um, you know, to to um, take place because when we did that movie. It was sort of the sort of a stigma to playing like a gay character. It was sort of they only had like lesbian characters in soft porn movies. Right. And so for our characters to be these fully realized characters that were in love that just happened to be women, it was um it was it sounds weird in this day and age to say it was groundbreaking, but it right. was groundbreaking. No, it was it was groundbreaking and and like the 
I thought the the script was amazing and had so many twists and turns and like even the ending. It's was... a classic film noir script, and you know the Wachowskis. Their next movie they went on to do was Matrix. So oh, you know, wow. they're great. They know how to make movies, and right. it's the thing is, it's not like uh, you know, sort of uh, a lesbian, no. uh, you know, like a feminist tract or anything right. like that. It's a really, really entertaining story, and the fact that the women are in love with each other is just one of the twists and turns, and things aren't as they appear. Right. And, and we're Gina and Joey and I are all really good friends. Oh, like that's 20 good. Twenty years later. Yeah, that's because we had such a good time making that movie. Yeah, that makes that makes a total sense. You know, I uh, just you know, you've been in so many movies and like a lot of a lot of them. Some of my favorites, you know, like even even working with Jim Carrey and Liar Liar, that was. To me, I must have watched that movie a hundred times. I laugh every single time I watch it, you know. And I, I really think you you really stole the show in that movie. I thought you it was one of your best best acting jobs, you know. And I uh, love Jim Carrey, and you know, like sometimes people think he's a little difficult to work with, but yeah. it's because he's really intense. I mean, good enough is never good is never good enough is never good enough for him yeah. like when we would be filming there would be a point about seven take seven or take eight where he was just brilliant right and that's the point where a lot of other actors would say okay we got it great let's move on right. but he would just be getting started and he would be like doing curly cues and adding things and pretty soon he's climbing the walls and climbing the toilet seat wow. on his head like he reached levels of insanity and hilarity you never even knew were possible right and he liked me, so he's always giving me things to do. Like the very first day, we filmed in consecutive order. Um, when he was leaving the room, I played this, you know, hot woman that's hiring him to be my attorney. Right. He whispered in my ear, he goes, Jennifer, when I leave the room, he goes, grab my ass. And I was like, <laughs> are you sure? Like he's getting paid $18 million for that movie, and I was getting paid like 27 cents. I was like, I don't know. I feel a little nervous that's grabbing so that $18 million. No. <laughs> He's like, yes, do it. It'll be great. So I did. And then he called up his girlfriend, Lauren Holly, that night. And he goes, I had the best day ever. First Jennifer Tilly grabbed my ass, and then I had sex with Amanda Donahue for five hours. And she's like, those bitches. Oh, honey, I'm coming home. I'll be home as fast as I can, because she's filming in San Francisco. Right. But he would give me lines to say, like, after um, I lot the my the good the good husband, my ex, loses custody of the kids. Right. He told me to say, don't you have a check to write? <laughs> so he would always be whispering my ear, why don't you say this? Why oh, so a lot that? of those those funny lines that you blurted out or Jim Carrey came up with them? Uh, yeah, some of, yeah, he came up with a lot of them. We weren't allowed to improvise, and that's why I think sometimes people, especially if you're a comedian, you find it a little exhausting because he goes up one wall and down the other and runs around the block with the dialogue and everything, and you are only supposed to, you're not allowed to go with him. You're supposed to wait till he finishes and then try to get him back to the script. You're supposed to say, yes, well, that's very interesting, but what about these documents? So you're supposed to get back to the next line. They don't like if you riff along with them. Like, a lot of my films, I do a lot of improvising when you're working with comedians. Right. You know, you just like, you you know, you're pretty loose and you, you know, you come up with really funny jokes in the moment. Mm -hmm. But with Jim, you're supposed to um, kind of let him do his thing mm -hmm. and be more of the straight person. Well, so um, that I makes, remember that they had that, cameras yeah, on him. Yeah. They had three cameras. They had cameras on him at all times. Even during my close-up, they would have a camera on Jim Carrey in case he thought of 
something funny to say during Michael Osup. <laughs> I didn't even realize that they had a camera on him because on the second day I was kind of nervous and I sort of stopped in the middle of the scene to start again. And then I just, out of the corner of my eye, I heard like, <gasps> like a shock because basically as everybody on the set thought, oh, she just cut Jim Carrey in the scene. And I didn't even realize there was a camera on him because that's not common in the world of show business. That's funny. um, Two-thirds of the way through the movie, the uh, cinematographer said to me, Jennifer, I worked on Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, and already we shot more film footage than both of those movies put together. (laughs) (laughs) They just were constantly, you know, and that's the thing why Brian Grazier was so great. Um, What a great collaboration with Jim Carrey, Brian Mm -hmm. Grazier, the director, because he had to catch lightning in the bottle. And sometimes he couldn't help himself. Jim Carrey would think of things. He would be doing the off-camera for all the extras in the courtroom. And all of a sudden, he'd start thinking of really funny things to do. And everybody would be laughing. And Brian wanted to capture it. If he was just inspired in the moment, he wanted to make sure it was never off-camera. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, you know, like a new day of social media. Like I, I wanted to actually do what I'm doing now, like three years ago, because you know me, I'm an outgoing person. I, you know, I'm funny. I, I like to, you know, I'm just crazy. So now like every time, wherever I go, um, my editor always wants me to have my camera with me. So I, and have it on. So, I, cause I'm always doing something crazy because you know me, I'm, I'm the same person at the poker table that I am away from the poker table and there's right. there's not you there's not that many people you can literally say that about a, mo- a lot of them are but you know there's a lot of people also that play up to the cameras and shit like that i'm just you know like me and like tell me if he's he's the exact same person whether he's playing poker or not you know he's just he's not tell me if i would say a little bit i would disagree because homies has a bit of a reputation as a poker brat and he berates right. people well but off yeah. camera he is the nicest person in the world right. he's very very down to earth so people are surprised when they say oh phil is like he's a really great guy they're like oh that phil helmet you know sometimes they'll say i can't stand him he's such a jerk and i'll yeah. be like no he really is not a jerk. well like yeah he's that's a like a, a lot of people have been like saying you know, like we've been on a lot of shows lately and they're and they're all telling, how do you let him treat you like that? Why does he, he always has to say, oh, I got half of my guy. And he always has to like, like belittle me and put me down. I'm like, you don't understand. Phil doesn't even realize he's doing that. Phil mm-hmm. is just, we call it Phil being Phil. You, you know what right, I'm talking right. about. And right. so, you know, like Phil, you, we, we, we were talking, I'm like, you know, I just, what am I, I keep I had an invitation to be on the Kardashian show with him that they filmed the poker episode. And I said, Phil, I'm going to pass. He goes, how could you pass? That's like the biggest re- uh, reality show. And I'm like, because they're everything that I think is wrong with America. You know, yeah. like I don't like people that like to brag what they have, uh, what they make, what, you know, I just talk about themselves, always, you know, play up to a certain part. And so Phil turns around and looks at me and goes, well, you must despise me and i said (laughs) and i said phil if i didn't know you for 20 years i would i would say i couldn't stand you but you know what you're phil and everyone you know you accept people for who they are and i know that phil's harmless and he's got a heart of gold and he doesn't mean the things he says and 
when he he doesn't even realize when he's like name dropping. He just doesn't even it doesn't right. even he doesn't even realize it. Like if you, like you saw like my when on our way the interview on our way to that uh, that home game that we that little mm-hmm. thing that we did and 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 you and you counted he drops like three or four different names just out of the blue. We're just having a conversation, you know, doing a little <laughs> interview and and but he doesn't even to Phil it, it's just it's just Phil being Phil. It's like. It's 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 probably it's, it's it's an insecurity, you know, probably, and uh, mm-hmm. it. But you know, that's you you accept people for who they are, and uh, I but could also have. But too, he's kind of he's a genius. Like he knows what makes good TV. Like yes. that game, he kept going. Did I put together the greatest game ever? Yeah. But he does put together really like great games in yes. terms of television. And I don't know whose idea it was to put like a basketball hoop in the studio. But yeah, that, that was, was amazing. Yeah, that was good. And I, that one show that I did where Phil and Tony G were Phil, uh, were Tony G. Oh, that was brutal. Oh, my God. He was so brutal to Phil. I was so mad at Tony G for that. I mean. But you... I think Phil understood on some level that it was great TV and almost didn't mind being angle shot because he mm-hmm. knows. I feel like he's a showman. Phil so he's, was yeah. ahead of the curve. In 2000, he was mm-hmm. marketing himself and being way ahead of the curve and he was teaching me how to uh basically create some kind of character that people love which is kind of where i kind of got the mike the mouth uh reputation now i was always myself and outgoing but phil always used to you know, and, and and I look back now, uh, especially me and Phil have gotten pretty close, and uh, I I think I made a mistake not going to that Kardashian thing because he was right. Now that I got the podcast and I'm and I'm and I'm doing um, the YouTube videos and stuff, which I I was never a social media person. I don't really like people right. knowing what I'm doing, but you know, when I with my injury and stuff, I I, I can't play poker full time anymore, and it's just it's hard, and so I need to just at least. Do something that gives me an income that pays my bills. So when I am in, if I'm in pain or struggling, I don't have to worry about running down to the Bellagio. And you, you know, when you're in pain, you're you're just never going to play your best. You know, so uh, that's really helped me a lot. And uh, and Phil, uh, you know, Phil, you're right. He's a genius. He's done. He knows how to market himself. He knows what's good for TV. And uh, you know, I I, uh, I commend him on that. You know, we we know he's nuts and he says crazy things and he likes to drop names and you know we let Phil be Phil. You know, and when he goes into one of those rants like he does when he did on the uh, live at the bike, uh, we have a new name for it. We call it Phil Messing instead of PMSing. Everybody lives for that rant. Everybody's just hoping one of them will happen. <laughs> I know, and that's and what... also to the relationship that he has with you and also with Brian. It's sort of like a big brother relationship. Right. Like I like. Seeing your relationship with him, you know, and and also you know with Brandon, because right. even sometimes like if you you're saying like oh people are like oh how can he talk to you like that? Right. It seems like sort of like uh, brotherly, like you know you know underlying it that you guys are yes. good friends. So it doesn't it's not it doesn't seem you know like right you know it doesn't seem to be so many people think it's that. malicious, but it's not. He's he's no no not at all. And and that's what and I try and explain that to them. And you know, like I said, you know. Phil, like Phil said, you know, you must hate me. I mean, I could never be friends with anybody else that that yeah. acted like that because I just, you know, it's just not my style. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't like bragging about what I have or what I do, yeah. or it's just not me, you know. And I don't like people that do that. But you know, Phil's Phil, and he's uh 
he has to he does what he does to keep his name in the spotlight and uh he's real good real good at it so um anyways uh what's really funny so you're going to be in the new movie i, I actually talked to um vince van patten today he's gonna be on the podcast uh in 10 days and we're gonna be talking about the movie but uh you can uh you're in this new movie seven days to vegas uh what uh what do you play in the movie and what and, uh, okay, it's just, it's, it, I actually saw the film at a film festival. It is such a great movie, and I think really? all the poker players out there are going to really enjoy it. And right. I think non-poker players are going to enjoy it, too. Right. And Vince plays sort of a variation on himself. He's like, you know, sort of a, po- an ex-actor, poker player, but degenerate gambler. And it's about this huge prop bet that he can't walk from... L.A. to Vegas right. in seven days wearing a suit, which is probably based on, I think, Huxied had a similar prop bet to that. I right. mean, there's a lot of similar bets like that. And, you know, well, the, even Dan Blitzerian, world. I knew Dan Blitzerian was going to win that bet with the cycling to Vegas in, what was it, 24 oh, yeah. hours? I said, as long as he didn't die, he was going to win the bet. <laughs> you know? And, especially uh, when uh, Samantha, especially, what's her name, Samantha? Especially when she did it, like, really easily a couple days earlier and sort of stole his yeah. thunder. That so was, many, that was really cute. so many people make the stupidest bets with Blitzerian. Like even his race yeah. when he made the race car bet, it, I'm like, I've been in that race car. That mm-hmm. race car is so fast. I'm like, there's right. no way the Ferrari could beat that race. I go and I told mm-hmm. everybody go all in every quarter you have on mm-hmm. da- I'm betting on down. Of course, that was one of the times I was broke, so I couldn't get any money okay, down. Okay. But if I I swear on my life, if I what if I had whatever quarter I had or could have had, mm-hmm. it would have been all in on that race car. And I think he I mean he beat that Ferrari by four lengths. I mean I, I knew yeah. it, you know. It was, so he's made a lot of great prop bets. I didn't follow the race car bet, but Bill Series is another person that's a show a showman yes. and he you know he built his empire. Right. Uh being a showman and understanding, you know, understanding his persona and building it. And he's got a great sense of humor. And, you know, people think that his website is just like, oh, you know, hot naked chicks. But his captions are really wicked funny. And he he, he knows how people see him. And he really plays it up. And I like him and I like his brother Adam also. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I used to play with him, but then he started playing really, really high. He's a good poker player, too. I remember once I was um, playing with Adam a long time ago. And um, <laughs> and I, <clears throat> I was keep track of who's winning and losing because it affects the way they play. And that night I was like kind of the biggest loser. And Adam looked at me and I was really sad. And he said, Jennifer, I've lost way more than you have this tonight. Mm-hmm. I said, No, you haven't. You've only lost this amount. I've lost that amount. He said, I have a piece of Dan, and Dan is down three and a half million dollars. <laughs> Dan was in the Ivy Room with playing with all these guys. You know, I, I I talked to. To, to Dan about a year ago, mm-hmm. and he says he he won't play poker anymore. He's just sick of the the, the scene. He's sick of really? all the mm-hmm. bullshit that goes on. We know all the bullshit that goes on in the poker world, and so he's just done with it. Now he's he's taking his brand and he's selling pot and he's making a lot of money and, right. and he's living right. he's living the high life, you know. Uh, yeah, well, Dan was good. Dan was good at poker. I remember yeah. once I we went all in. <clears throat> The two of us. Mm-hmm. He was such a sport too, and this was like before he was like in, you know, playing super high right. stakes. But we went all in, and I had uh, pocket kings post flop, mm-hmm. and he had a set of jacks, and we ran it three times, and he lost all three times. 
I just remember how he was like just very cool about wow. it. Wow, <laughs> really? You mean he flopped a set and you beat him all three times with a pocket? No, king? he yeah, he flopped a set of jacks and I had pocket kings, so all the money went in after the flop. So what'd you hit? King, king, and then a running straight. What? What'd you hit? King and a king and a running straight. I don't remember what it was. It was three really weird, weird hands. Like it I might know. have been a straight or a flush. I've or a seen king it. Or, and I've seen yeah. people do these things. Weird like, things happen in cards. I mean, yeah. you. That's where sometimes when you're playing high stakes poker, it can be insanely volatile. You can get yeah. in with the best hand Absolutely. and you know lose a huge amount of money. Any regardless. So, right. <clears throat> So, you know, that's a lot of people. That's where you need the second bullet. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm why. the third bullet. Not, you know, yeah. that's why a lot of people want to rip on Phil for how he plays because he buys in so short. But yeah. it doesn't make a difference. He'll like, he'll like fold like 27 hands in a row. And, and then, like, the, like, to them, it's like he's short and he's got like 10 mm-hmm. grand. And then he puts it in and he gets it in like three to one favorite. And mm-hmm. uh, then he's back to even. And then the next hand. Because people, like, the difference is, is like people. Phil plays so tight, but they want to beat mm-hmm. him because they want to see him go into a rant. So, mm-hmm. so it's good. It he plays the correct way for how right. he, how you're supposed to play because Phil, there are people people want to beat Phil. So why mix it up and and play lots of hands? He he just mm-hmm. likes to just you know. That's build what it my up. boyfriend says. He says you can fold like you know for three hours straight. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you get it in or you're betting and you've got some, like, pocket aces or right. a flush or whatever. And he said people still want to give you their money. They're not Correct. like, wow, this guy hasn't really played any. People just People uh, have no clue that you haven't played a hand in two hours. You know, I yeah. noticed that even back in high stakes poker when I won the huge pot against Daniel that I that I, that I did the, the uh, Blockers for Dummies video on. Mm-hmm. But it's like... I hadn't played a hand in forever, and like the whole table knew I had pocket kings, except for Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to you know, you know, we all make mistakes or whatever. But but it's like you could it, you could just fold and fold and fold and be the tightest player. And now if I all of a sudden open and everybody's folding, giving me no action, well then I'm going to mm-hmm. play more hands. But if I'm playing super tight and then I pick up a, hand, a good hand and I raise and I'm getting action then why would I do anything to play tight? You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, that, you know, that's just the adjustments. The you first have to night make. of the two, the two days that we were playing poker after dark, mm-hmm. um, when you couldn't make it mm-hmm. with, uh, I think it was Casey Thompson. They right. canceled up Correct. last minute. Yeah. And Mike Sexton happened to be in the studio just to make a basketball bet. Right. And he said, Hey, do you want to play? And so he ran and put on his little logo or whatever, and right. sat down and played. He played very, he didn't play a lot of hands and everything. And mm-hmm. the perception was he was playing very tight. And I was just astonished afterwards to see when they had who won and who lost it. He was up like like $57,000 right. or something like that because the perception was that he hardly played any hands at all. Right. So, you know, that is actually the correct play, way to play, I think, when you're playing with a bunch of Absolutely. Maniacs. When you're playing with just lunatics. Just like sort of dip in every now and then and just pick up some money and, you know. Right. Yeah, and that that's just what you know. You adjust to what the table gives you. If everybody's playing tight, you play more hands. If everybody's playing loose, you play tighter. And if when you enter a pot, they're going to keep giving you action, then you keep playing tight. If if they're not going to give you action, then you have to mix it up with them. So mm-hmm. you know, so that's how that goes. So I'm really appreciate this interview. This is so great. It's going to be oh, amazing. Great. It was great talking to you. Oh, oh, I was finished. I forgot to say. In um, Walk to Vegas, um, Phil and I and Antonio, we just have cameos. We're, we're playing ourselves. Right. Like, if you look at the trailer, it looks like, it looks like we have a really big part. Yeah, I thought you but, had a part um, in the movie. Really so you just pr- have a cameo? 
Yeah, it's a cameo, but I'm really proud to be a part of the movie. It's like I think it's a great film that people are going to really enjoy. And we're having our premiere, I think. I'll be there. After tomorrow, there's going to be a premiere. Tuesday. And right? Real Housewives, I think, is covering it because Eileen Davidson used to be on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I got invited. I'm going to, uh, to the red, I guess, the red carpet at 6 and the movie at 7. Yeah, uh, there's a yeah. red carpet. Oh, well, I'll see you there then. Yeah, I yeah. Think it's, I think it's a really good movie, and I hope it does well for... Um, Vincent and Eileen, his wife. Yeah. And it's nice talking to you. And I have you to too. say, I've been really happy to see you on Live at the Bike and, you know, Poker After Dark. I mean, I've been seeing you around and everything. And I think everybody missed um, you. You're very beloved by the yeah. poker fans. And it's and, and I love your blogs, too. Your blogs are, I mean, I haven't seen a yeah. lot of them. But the ones I've seen are very entertaining. And then they show up in my Twitter stream. I'm yeah, like, you know. Uh, because people are very intrigued by the poker world and what happening happens. And, you know, you've sort of got the inside. Because the circles that you run in, you know, you sort right. of, you, you know, show what it's like for people. And you're you're kind of like an, an everyman. I think you're, it's easier to relate to you than, you know, some of the... You know the new school like uber right. geniuses because you you seem like a guy that plays poker and likes to play poker and people have kind of grown up with you so yeah it's, it's really and nice to you know it's a it's a really weird thing. dynamic you know a lot of the the GTO wizards and all them they they get upset that they're not invited on these poker shows and they they think everybody wants nobody wants to see uh, robots play poker it's a TV mm-hmm. show it's the same reason why you know when they used to have uh, you know the NBC head up. For a lot of years, you know, it wasn't all the best players, but it was all the 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 ones that made a good TV show. You know, the last right. couple of years, it was all the best players. So, you know, mm-hmm. win, winning the last one in 2013, you know, it may, it meant a lot to me. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's like Maury always says, it's all about the television show. If, you, if you're oh, just you going to... you won the heads up in 2013? Yeah, I beat Phil. In oh Helmet. right! I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah that was, was awesome. It was amazing. Was awesome. You know, and, that's and, hard to do. It's hard. That's a hard field to plow through. No, it is. It was really hard yeah. to. I, I mean, I went through like like at the time they were considered the two best players, head up players in the world, and I mm-hmm. I beat them both, and I I really. I played great. It was probably the best I ever played. And what's really weird about it is like I had a dream I was going to win it. And that's the only wow. reason why I played it. I wasn't even going to play it again, you know, but mm-hmm. they, I had this dream and I, and I went out and won it. So, you know, was, back then I used to get dreams and they always came true. Now, I, uh, now after I got sick, the, not so much, you know, so. Uh, you have to tap into that though. You can set an intention before you go to sleep and say, you know, I'm going to have a dream about such and such a situation. Yeah. Like since my um, ex-husband and my mom passed away, sometimes they come to me in dreams, but sometimes I'll go to sleep and I'll say, oh, maybe I'll see, you know, maybe I'll see Sam tonight. And if I really strongly want to, then I feel like, you know, he comes to me in dreams and, you know. Well, and, uh, I, I, like I know what you're talking there. about, and I am a big believer of, and this is where Phil uh, comes in, of manifesting your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you yes. are in a positive mindset, positive things are going to happen. A guy who's a good friend with Daniel, who uh, does a little bit of life coaching with Daniel, you know, he, I met him at the World Series this year, and he gave me some of the best advice, and I've been using it every day since, and that is... Don't think about anything negative that happened more than two hours in the past. And if you mm-hmm. never think about negative things and you're always uh, manifesting positive thoughts, positive mm-hmm. things are going to happen. And ever since then, all I've done is win in poker. The podcast has taken off. Um, everything has just been great. And uh, that's just something that uh, I am a big proponent about. And you have to stay in that positive mindset because 
every no matter who you are, uh, whether you're the biggest star in the world or the with the nobody in the world, we all go through the same problems. Everybody has the same problems. So many people think they're the only ones that have the problem, mm-hmm. and their problems are so bad. But money doesn't solve your problems. I, you mm-hmm. know, you I've been just as happy, if not happier, when I've been broke than when I've had a lot of money. And it's all about staying in the positive mindset. So I'm hoping that this time I'm going to stick with this. And I really believe as long as I stick with it, everything will, will be good. So I, I appreciate this I interview. Really believe this is that. great. This has just been It was nice really to great. talk to you, Mikey. And I hope I'll play with you. Well, I'm sure I'll be playing with you sometime soon. You will. And, and, I'll, um, and I'll see you on uh, Tuesday at the premiere. And, uh, oh, yeah, I'll see you at the premiere. Okay, great. And uh, <laughs> tell Phil I said hi. Love you. And you All take right. care. Love you, Thank too. You so- it's All been right. great, Mike, talking to you. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Jen. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Mouthpiece. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed episode 19 of The Mouthpiece with an amazing, unedited version with Jen Tilly. What a great interview that was. Join us next week for an incredible interview, I hope. Well, it has to be incredible with the one and only Oral Hershiser from the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to be talking baseball playoffs if the Dodgers are going to get it done this year. So I hope you enjoyed our show this week. Stay tuned next week for an amazing interview with my idol, the one and only Dodger great Oral Hershiser. Take care, everyone. <laughs>